It's second road win of the MLS season at long last, but the team made picking up those three points more difficult than it needed to be. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to Inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more. We have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual hosts. Joining me are two other members of the team. Steve El Primo Brenner is still away dealing with other things, but we have the lovely tandem that is Jose Armando and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Alan Jose and Ajisita. So, how are you guys? We'll start with Andrea. Ladies first, how are you today? Hi, guys. Glad to be here. Glad to be talking about Inter Miami after they won a game. So, let's do this. Let's get let's get into it. And glad to be here with you guys to put you in cintura, both of you. Because <laughs> I was not on the, on, on, on the past podcast, but I'm back, so... You are the star. You're the star. People are asking and clamoring for you, especially (laughs) my cousins in England. My cousins in England love the integration of Ajisita to Miami Total Football Radio, as I'm sure many other listeners do as well. Jose, you're last but you're not least. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean, it's a great week when, you know, we have so many games to talk about. I I guess it's not great for the players. They must be (laughs) exhausted. But you know that's 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 the best part of the game, right? Playing official matches, and so I'm I'm ready to roll. I'm, uh, I think I have a lot to say about the game on 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 Wednesday. I was a little bit frustrated with it. Well, there was definitely good elements about Wednesday's game. You know, the defense took a step forward, but the attack left a lot, a lot, a lot to be desired, given how many chances were wasted. So we will touch on all of that. We will also dive into the news that we got today or the update that we got today that's not so positive for Leonardo Campana. It sounds like he may be out for some time with the injury that was picked up on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that as well. And of course, we'll preview this Saturday's game against CF Montreal. Yes, if you're wondering, we will also talk about the Twitter exchange that happened on Wednesday night after Inter-Miami's late victory over the San Jose earthquake. So, we've got a lot to talk about. Jose, Andrea, let's get to it. Okay, guys, so Inter-Miami is victorious on the road. They beat the San Jose Earthquakes 1-2-0 with an early Gene Mota golazo in the 12th minute, a sensational strike. We will get to that in just a moment in a little more detail. This was the starting lineup for Inter Miami. Drake Callender was in goal. The team reverted to the 5-3-2 or the five-man backline, and then the formation was a 5-3-2. DeAndre Yedlin on the right, Robert Taylor on the left. Those were your wingbacks. And then your three center backs from right to left were Christopher McVeigh, Damian Lowe, and Kieran Gibbs. The midfield was comprised of Gene Mota, Gregory, and Alejandro Pozuelo. And up top, striker tandem, 
Gonzalo Higuain and Leonardo Campana starting for one of very few times together this season. So the early goal is enough for Inter Miami. They get a clean sheet. They bounce back from that eight-goal draw against FC Cincinnati where the defense was in shambles for, for good parts of that with a clean sheet. The first one since... I'd have to pull up the exact date, but it's in just over two months. I believe late May was their last clean sheet and their first road first road win since April, since they beat the Seattle Sounders one to zero at earlier in the season. So the under sixteen Seattle Sounders. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the under. I know you you said it then, and I know you're you're repeating it now, but it was definitely not the under sixteen Seattle Sounders. It was definitely, 18. it was like a reserve team. There yeah, were some yeah. young players in there, but they okay. Anyway, under. that was months ago. We are not reviewing that conversation now. We'll stick on this game against the San Jose Earthquakes. Let's start with let's start with actually before we dive into the game and the X's and O's. Let's let's dive into something that was newsworthy today that I mentioned in the intro part of the show. And that is that Leonardo Campana in this game against the San Jose Earthquakes exited with an injury. Looked like it was to his left leg. Now, we don't know if it was a thigh or a knee. I mean, we could we could speculate based on what we saw on TV, but we know it's a left leg injury. He went, uh, he went down to the ground or down to the field uh, under his own power. Um, obviously, he has to have felt something there. Don't know if that came with contact with a center back or a defender or another player of the San Jose Earthquakes on a different sequence. But nonetheless, he, he goes down under his own power. He has to be subbed off there in the first half. Phil Neville today on Friday in previewing CF Montreal's game said he thinks... Campana could be out for a period of time. And Campana did not fly with the team to Montreal for this weekend's game. He instead flew back to South Florida where he will undergo some scans. But judging from Phil Neville's comment and his tone, it looks like Campana may be out for a good bit or at least for a few weeks, it's sounding like. We'll know more in a few days. But your thoughts on Campana's latest injury and what his absence means for the team jose well it's big obviously it's it, it's 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 bad news um i i understand that you know Iwain right now is, is is playing really really well and um i think he showed it um in the game against uh in the midweek game against san jose but um, it's it's a big miss. I mean, it's I think it's the same scenario that I was thinking of early in the season when when Campana took over. Uh, I knew at some point, you know, with him playing so many games with no Iwain available at the time, that at some point it's going to be it was going to be too much for him. I'm not saying that I expected for him to get injured, but I thought he would need some rest at some point. So I'm thinking exactly the same thing right now. Iwain might be able to take on the starting role. But at some point, he's going to have a small injury or he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have yellow cards or a red card or anything could happen that could prevent him from playing. And then you're out of uh, a striker. So, you know, Inter Miami is not that deep when it comes to strikers and they're going to have to improvise. And, and I think that's the worst, worst case scenario when you're fighting for um, the last spot in the playoffs. And so I think it's big. Hopefully, you know, it's not too long. I don't know if Inter Miami can survive a month without Campana and still remain in the in the race. 
So, yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge. Andrea, your thoughts on Leonardo Campana's, on the outlook for Leon- Leonardo Campana's injury? Because, again, it doesn't sound all that promising. Uh, no, it doesn't sound promising. Listen, when I saw it, I told Jose that it looked bad. When a player stops by himself, he felt something, and usually those those injuries are muscular, and it's very complicated to take care of a muscular injury, especially if you have a tear. Hopefully, in the scans, they don't find a tear, and Campana can come back. So, if he's injured, hopefully, he could get get better before November, before the World Cup, and and could also help his team. Inter Miami is going to miss him. Listen, they are in a dire situation in, in, in attack because we have talked about it in the podcast that they are missing finishing players. We we talked about that. Now, Gonzalo was having a good moment. He also had an injury. Mm-hmm. Now, Corentin Jean is also injured, so uh, they don't have strikers, natural strikers they don't have. They're going to have to improvise. To, uh, Phil talked about it in, in the media Today, uh, he said that maybe we could see Pozuelo, maybe we could see Emerson or Ariel Lassiter playing. But listen, those are no, those are not strikers. And we saw against San Jose that all of them missed clear opportunities to score. So it's going to be difficult um, for Inter Miami to, to keep everyone fit and to keep Gonzalo fit. Because also, if now Campana is out, like, maybe how Ariel was when Ariel had a, a muscular injury. He was out for more than a month. So if Campana is out for more than a month, you have to take care of Iwain. But now Phil is in, a, in, in an awkward position. So it's going to be tough for Inter Miami, let me tell you, without Campana to get to the playoffs, especially because um, they, they were sharing, at least until now, they were sharing until recently with Iwain, that starting ninth position. Let's stick on the, on, the, on the injury at hand. Now, this injury happens to his left leg. Leonardo Campana in recent weeks was dealing with a right MCL injury, which is a ligament in the knee. So he was wearing a brace and he recently returned to action from that. I will ask you this because again, we don't know what the actual injury to the left leg is. We don't know, you know, it it could be muscular. We don't know yet because Phil Neville didn't, uh, you know, even though he gave an, uh, an update of sorts, he did not provide an exact um diagnosis of what the injury is so we don't know if it's if it's the knee we don't know if it's the muscle we don't know but should campana have been playing in your guys's opinion should should he have been out there given that he was dealing with a right mcl injury that he clearly was not at 100% clearly he was not playing at 100% before this second injury obviously if he's wearing a brace uh in certain games or he's wearing a wrap Clearly, he's not at 100%. Should he have been playing in these games? I'll go back to you, Andrea. Well, I think, yeah, Miami needed him to play. And I guess he would have come out in the 16 minutes or something like that because Phil said that he couldn't play 90 still. But he needed to play. The Miami needed a three points. And I think it was a good a good choice to play. I, you know, I've said it a lot of times. I I like when they play with Gonzalo and Campana. So I think he had to play in the position that Inter Miami had. He had to play. Jose. I don't know. I mean, listen, we, we need to 
this is obviously an, an opinion with not a lot of uh, information because we don't know exactly what is going on, but my instinct will say no. I don't think he should have been playing. I mean, he didn't look 100%. And, um, and I think I told you this uh, during um, training this week. Um, with the World Cup coming... Uh, I, I understand that, you know, for the team, he, he did things for the team. He played for the team because he knows the team needs him right now. But if you think big picture, uh, I don't know. I always thought it was a little bit too risky because, I mean, the brace was just too big for me. It was very concerning. Like, it, it basically, you know, we only could see his knee and, you know, the upper leg also... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just, it, to me, it was too much. It was too much. And um, I don't know if injuries are, these injuries are related to each they other. They are not. They are in different legs. Yeah, right, right. But in, but in that, right, Jose, I think Jose is going to, to, to make this point in that if you're, if, if one leg is injured, your body, your mechanics, I'm not saying this is the case for Leonardo Campana. We don't know. We're not doctors, but your body can overcompensate with one leg, given that your other leg yeah. is injured. And that could, could is the key word, could be what happened here. Now, again, we don't know. We don't have enough information to say, yes, that is what happened here with 100% certainty, but it is, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I'm with you, Jose. I don't think Campana should have been playing. Like, I, I don't think he looked good in, in his return from injury in the games he played. Um, even before that, when we asked Phil Neville about Campana and where he stood, you know, as the coach, he, he needs as many of the players available as you know as possible or as many players yeah available as possible but he also said and this was before the the game against FC Cincinnati that Campana could not cut and could not make those soccer movements he could run in a straight line because you know it's it's the outside ligament of of the knee and he had no problem with that but the cutting and the and the shifting and and the different moves you have to make when you play uh football that that was difficult for Campana. So clearly he's not at 100%. And look, sometimes during different parts of the year, players are not at 100% and they play. But I think because of the injury that he had, I don't think he should have been playing. Again, I don't know if this injury and is related to the, to the right MCL injury that he had been dealing with, but it's possible. It is possible. But, uh, you know, now, now for trying to think about the short term it looks like inter miami might lose him for a longer term which obviously isn't ideal for him campana isn't ideal for the team as well because like you guys mentioned it's one less striker option on a team that does not have very many at that position so we'll see we'll get more of an update next week i fully expect Gonzalo going to play this weekend yes he did leave this match against the san jose earthquakes also with an injury he looked a little bit dazed Phil Neville, like you said, Andreas said that uh, he woke up a bit sore today or was sore today, Friday, but I expect him to play on Saturday against CF Montreal, uh, especially since, as Phil Neville said, Gonzalo Higuain is not in the concussion protocol. And that's big. That's big, and yeah. That's big. It looked like it, on the on the broadcast, they definitely see, you see the... the he, they the used yeah, the concussion they, they were checking change. him out. Yeah, they were checking him out. But so. they used the concussion change in the game. So they got an extra substitution because of that, because Gonzalo came out as a concussion protocol. So that's why I ask him, because usually when they come out as a concussion protocol, they don't play the next game. So... 
Well, they, well, he, they came out, you know, because they were testing to see if he had a concussion. Now, if, he, if it's come out and he's passed all the tests and he doesn't have a concussion, then he, I, I believe he's just clear to play. I don't, you know, I don't think there's a rule that says if you come out with a concussion scare and then it doesn't, and you prove not to have one, that you have to miss the next game. I think, so I think he just passed the, whatever test they gave him, no concussion, so he's he's eligible to play this weekend. I fully expect him to play. All yeah, right. Phil has. We, we have known Gonzalo to play through through injuries. I'm going. I'm going to say what. I'm going to say one more thing here while we're on the topic of injuries. Here, I do think that maybe this staff and because of the situation the team is in, and maybe their just overall approach to how they work, they might push the players a little too hard. That's just my personal opinion. Campana is an example for me, and there are other examples as well. Phil Neville today Friday said, you know, he he gave. Clarity and elaborated on what happened with Coco, Corantin John, who did not dress for this game after making his debut over the weekend. And he said that he trained, uh, Coco trained on Sunday, so the day after the Cincinnati game, and that he felt something in his groin or his left adductor. And that, you know, prevented him from, from being eligible to play on Wednesday. So clearly. I don't think it's that much the training staff. I think maybe the players are not maybe accustomed to play in this heat um too many games but that's why they that's why the coaching staff has to manage it though the coaching staff has to manage responsibility so i don't think it's a training staff maybe i think the players because you see the players that are being injured this year robbie robinson has never played a season constantly in mls and then take take robbie out of it take robbie out of it also take robbie out of it yes there's injuries that happen through the course of a season that's normal for any team in in any sport and campana also hasn't gotten any playing time last year andrea go back andrea go back to the beginning of the year andrea go back to the beginning of the year the excuse me leonardo campana and emerson rodriguez were both introduced at the same time in preseason, this is I'm gonna make you rattle your your memory bank here. They both were arrived at the same time in preseason. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we interviewed them both the same day, like when they were both introduced. Shortly thereafter, they both during preseason suffered injuries, both of them. And yes, maybe they weren't fully fit, or maybe they didn't come in, you know, in, in the conditioning that they should have been at, or physically where they needed to be at. But that's why the coaching staff is there to manage the loads, the workloads that each player has. And I think that maybe, maybe this team or this coaching staff pushes the players a little too hard or because of the situation that they're in and the need for points and the need for wins and the the lack of other options elsewhere that they that they push for maybe they push the players a little a little too much. So that's just my opinion. So, you know, you guys can agree or disagree. But I do think that that could be uh, something that needs to be looked at. Now, let's just switch gears to the actual game. Let's start with a positive. Gene Mota's golazo from distance. His first in MLS play this year. His second in an Inter-Miami jersey. You have to remember he scored against Orlando City in the U.S. Open Cup match that they had earlier this year. Jose... What do you think of that goal? Obviously, it stands as the game winner, so it proves decisive. But let's talk overall aesthetics as well as importance. Your thoughts on Gene uh, Mota's golazo? Well, yeah, it was it was a golazo. I mean, listen, it's it's it, it's a it's a very good finish. I, I think we've seen uh, Mota, you know, 
tried to score from outside the box several times. It's not always the shot that he wants. But this time, I mean, it, the, the placing was just perfect. I think the timing was right as well because Inter-Miami did start um, having good rhythm, creating opportunities. They missed a couple of chances early on. And then I thought, oh, my God, here we go again. They're going to have chances. They're going to miss them. And then San Jose is going to get back into this game because, I mean, San Jose, they, they didn't have a good start. First 20 minutes were just horrible from the home side. And so... Um, yeah, it was perfect timing, a uh, golazo, and, and you know, just exactly what the team needed. I don't know if this is something that we can expect every single night from Mota, but, I mean, obviously, it's 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 a confidence builder. Scoring um, his first uh, MLS goal is, 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 is something that I, I, I think, you know, he, he needed at some point in this season, and, and I was glad to see that. How sweet do you think it felt for him? Because clearly we've seen it and we've jokingly talked about it, you know, in the press box over the course of the season, as well as with our, our good friend Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald. We've talked about like there's a if there's an Inter Miami bingo card, Gene Mota shot from distance is definitely one of the the spaces at play there because normally you see him take a shot from distance, at least one per game, normally. Normally. And and he hasn't had a whole lot of success. That hasn't stopped him from trying by and large. And in this one, he finally gets it. He pulls it off. And, and it's a heck of a strike, man, because he brings the ball down. It's cleared. There's a, a ball sent into the penalty area, San Jose Earthquakes' penalty area. It's cleared. He's able to bring it down with his left foot under little pressure. And then in a very quick movement, a very fluid movement, able to hit it with Tres dedos, tres dedazos, dedadinhos. I don't know how you say dedos in Portuguese, but he hits it with the outside part of his left foot, which is why we say tres dedos in Espanol, which would be, you know, three toes. And he curls it. Well, it doesn't curl. It just kind of directs it into that top right corner where the spiders lay their eggs. A great goal for him. And it obviously, again, it proves decisive. So Inter-Miami comes out on top. Now this is where we go to the not-so-pretty part of the game because that was a heck of a strike, but a lot of the other ones that Inter Miami had for much of the rest of the way were not. The team wasted chance after chance after chance. They could have put the San Jose Earthquakes away much, much earlier than having to suffer through until the 97th minute. I think there were seven minutes of stoppage time given or six minutes of stoppage time given. And they had to, you know, had to clamp down and, and grit through waves of attack from the earthquakes. Now, Jose, you said these teams were pretty even in your eyes when we previewed the game. Do you still think that? Because I don't. I, I mean, I, I told you I thought this was a winnable game for Inter-Miami based on what we saw from the run of play. It was definitely a winnable game, and they won it. They could have won it by more. And I don't think that they're even in terms of where they are. Like, I see more individual talent and a more talented lineup or talented roster with Inter Miami than I do with the Earthquakes because the Earthquakes had a lot, a lot of the ball. They they were in Inter Miami's attacking half for large stretches, but they could never find a way to break down a solid defense and, and a very organized team, compact, organized, and and gritty. So, do you still think that the San Jose Earthquakes and Inter Miami are more or less? in the same level? Well, I would say this. You know, I, I think Inter-Miami created a lot of opportunities, more than what I expected. 
But at the same time, you know, if if you tell me that Inter Miami is going to have te- ten chances against Montreal uh, over the weekend, then I would expect them to score one or two, because you know they they just have trouble putting the ball in the back of the net. And so um, I still believe that the game was was not you know one that we could tell oh inter miami was clearly the, the better team i think the first 20 minutes san jose struggled um if that was the case for the ref for the full 90 and san jose kept on playing at the level they played early on then yes i would agree that inter miami is is a lot better but i th- i think in the second half and, and maybe it's because the goal state of the goal state they missed I mean, the, the last 20, 25 minutes, they had a lot of trouble. And uh, and they had a lot of trouble on set pieces, defending set pieces, by the way, which is something really, really interesting. I don't know if, you know, with Sailor and Mavica being out, that plays a factor um, on, on them not defending well set pieces. But they did create a lot of opportunities in the second half, San Jose. And I thought it wasn't even a match played. I mean... Uh, both both teams had chances. Yes, Inter Miami could have finished earlier, and maybe with uh, Adi Lassiter's shot, it's clear for uh, um, clear from the line. Maybe that's that's a dagger right there. The second goal could have been the dagger. Iguain had reality... Iguain had one too that that he couldn't you yeah. know, get. He he gets by three three defenders, and and then the angle gets closed on him, and he's not able to to pull the trigger or to unleash his shot uh, in time to, to put it into the back of the net. Emerson Rodriguez also had multiple, multiple chances to ice this game, including one on a fantastic, excuse me, fantastic pass from Jovin Jones. But Emerson Rodriguez left a lot to be desired in this game. Pozuelo also had one look that he skied over the crossbar. Um, you know, he also sh- could have could have put the game away. I mean, it's not just on any one player. This was a collective calamity in that second half. Like, I couldn't believe some of these chances didn't go in. Like, I- honestly, from my seat, I was I was I thought they would have put the game away. Through and the way that they, the the amount of missed chances piled up, I was just I was in awe. It was just two teams that were both struggling to do what they were trying to do and it was like well who's going to be the worst one whoever is the least worst of the two in this in this aspect will win the game and obviously um the earthquakes were worse at trying to find a way to break down inter miami they didn't really test straight calendar all that much despite having more of the ball despite being in inter miami's attacking half they just could never really find a way to break down inter miami's defense that's obviously a testament to the organization and the job that the coaching staff did with that back line and with the game plan. The game plan worked. Jose, we talked about this on the preview pod as well. Did we expect Phil Neville to go more defensive-minded? I told you yes. You said you didn't think so. You thought it would be much of the same. But they did go back to that five-man back line, the three-center back look. So, you know, any anything you want to add there? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's really interesting because going to five in the back with Kieran Gibbs. As a center back. With Kieran Gibbs in the lineup. I mean, I wouldn't say it's risky because I trust Kieran Gibbs. I, I think he's he's an MLS caliber player and maybe even higher at this point in, in his career still. So I trust him. I, I, I know he can handle that position. But... You know, it, it makes me think about Robert Taylor, and uh, I just I just want him to stay away from the Lewis Morgan scenario. 
you know, where you ask him to defend and you ask him to attack. And sometimes that's just too much. That's just too much. And so when I saw it initially, I thought there's no way he's going to do that to Taylor. Um, Yetlin, I can see him doing it just because, you know, when you play with five in the back, you think the defense and, you know, if, if you're able to move forward, then that's the case. Okay, that's fine. But if you're not good offensively, that doesn't mean you're going to lose the game. If you're not good defensively, then, yeah, you're in trouble. So it was really interesting, but I think it worked out. It worked out really, really well. And so, you know, other than set pieces, that's the one thing that caught my attention. You know, they, I think San Jose, that that's the only part of the game that maybe San Jose was getting closer to scoring the, the equalizer. Other than that, I think it, it worked out really well. Andrea, you had a call to take. This is what happens when you're a very important person. So you're back now. Just quickly tell us your thoughts on Inter Miami's wasteful finishing. Because they, like I said earlier, I think you had already stepped out. They could, uh, they could have put this game away much earlier, and they could have had, they could have cruised to the finish line much more comfortably. But they do not because they can't find that second goal. So what are your thoughts? on the failure to finish and the failure to find a second goal, an insurance goal, while also noting, and again, yeah. it's not on any one player, but you have been a staunch defender of Emerson Rodriguez, and I cannot imagine that you will defend him after this performance. Listen, um, I knew you were going to say, say <laughs> that. <laughs> because you were calling me out during the game. I want, I want to, people to know that. But... Listen, Emerson, yeah, he couldn't. He had two, three opportunities that he could have scored. But also Campana had an opportunity that he should have scored. Ariel had two opportunities that he should have scored. Pozuelo had an opportunity mm -hmm. that should have scored. Inter Miami could have won the game 5-0 easily if they scored all those chances. And I'm not talking about chances that are... Like, oh, like the one that they... No, these were clear-cut chances. From the line. Yeah, these were like one-on-ones, uh, clear looks, and yeah, it just it wasn't going in for them. <laughs> exactly, and these chances they should have scored. So it, it is bad, let me tell you. It is bad because you know that these players are, are good players. They have capacity. Not only the ones that I mentioned, but also Taylor, uh, Indiana Vasilev, that is also available, Duke. Uh, all these players are good players, but... They are lacking in finishing in, in in that aspect of the game because they are not a nine. And then when you have a nine like Gonzalo, that you see that he scores in complicated plays, in good plays, then you you get like, oh, the, the teammates should do better. But when you think about it, they only have Gonzalo and Campana as strikers. They don't have more strikers. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on, Andrea, hold on. Because there are wingers and players in other positions, and, and maybe not Inter Miami, but in other teams and other parts of the world, that are there are goal scorers. They they have goals in their bag. Yeah, of, Franco, of but that skills. that that was made mainstream because of Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. Before you could be a winger and not score that much of a goal. Of that's, goal. Hey, that's fine. If your if your responsibility on yeah. you know given team is to to get down the wing and cross now the ball. You, in modern football, you ask for goals because of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and all of those players that we could name, a thousand players that play in the Premier League that are good wingers and score goals. But before, you could be a winger without having like 10 goals a season. So, um, the problem yeah, but is... But now, we are, but now we are in 2022, Andrea. So, tiene que tener goals si eres un extremo. If you're an attacking player, you ha you have to have goals in your game. I mean, you don't have to. Sorry, I take that back. You don't have to have goals. But 
focusing on this game, you've got to put some of those goals away. And again, this is not on any one player. I only singled out Emerson because obviously we've had for very many pods in several weeks now, we've had debates about where we think he is. And I, again, I have said I think he's a very talented player, but that final bit, that piece in the final third that is most crucial for an attacking player that part is still missing for him and he took a lot of rough touches that contributed to him not putting away these chances uh he also hesitated and took too long on on, on at least one opportunity so there's definitely some polishing that needs that needs to be okay that's something phil neville has said this year and that's what i was trying to say that's a difference with a with a nine like gonzalo and maybe we we compare them with gonzalo because it's the nine and and with campana it's the nine that that the team have but they don't they don't have that natural ability like gonzalo does they don't have that foot to do stuff like Gonzalo uh, well, does. I, think, I don't think it's fair, though, to compare them to... Yeah, I'm not, compa- I'm not comparing them to... We are comparing them to No, 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 I'm not. We want I'm them not. to score goals. I'm we want not. them to score more goals. And Ariel has... I don't Listen, know how many guys, goals he has. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going I'm to tell you Ro- something. Robert, Roberto... Robert, <laughs> Roberto. <laughs> has three you goals. can call Roberto. Iwain calls him Roberto. Roberto, so. yes. No, Dale, Jose. Dale, Dale, I want to hear Jose. I want to hear Jose. Andrea, hold on. I want to hear Jose. Jose has a, a rebuttal there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, they are playing for Inter Miami. Inter Miami is not, they're not going to have, uh, they're not even going to have the, the, the best wingers in MLS, not even in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's, it's, that's the reality. I mean, when they started building this team, they got Ari Lassiter from Houston. And in Houston, you know, he, he was not a big time player over there. So he came here looking for an opportunity, looking for minutes. And yes, he he has shown good things, but I, I've been telling you guys since since the start of the season, and 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 you guys know that you know I wanted him to start, and I thought he deserved to start, but that's just the reality of him. He's not a finisher, so he's he's gonna miss goals. And and same same scenario with with Emerson. You know, he's he's yeah. not Emerson right now. It's not like the top Philadelphia Union is dying to have Emerson Rodriguez on his roster. How many teams in MLS are dying right now to get Emerson Rodriguez? I mean, that's just a reality. Okay, I mean, that's fair. That's fine. But they, you still have to you have to expect professional players to put some of these chances away. Like, yeah, they, you, Franco, like you can't, then you like, have Basilev and Robert Taylor. They score two goals, one goal in in a match. They don't produce as much as as they should in in if you look at it at an angle of a modern football but they bring other stuff to the game the problem is that inter miami right now needs goals and they don't have people who to score <laughs> should some and of these chances should. have been put away yes or no should some of these chances have been put yes, away no, no without a doubt without 100%. a doubt without yeah. a doubt okay so i think listen i think especially the Adi Lassiter opportunity there he cannot miss that i mean it's impossible it's it's just <laughs> it's not impossible because it happened. He missed. Possible to miss. I mean, if he tries it again and he and he's in front of goal with only one defender and he tells me I'm gonna shoot this straight to the defender's head, I don't think he can do it. I mean, it's 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 incredible the way he missed that. So and I tweeted just like 15 minutes before he missed that, that opportunity that Iwain was playing really well, setting up a campana early on, second half opening up the game through the wings. He, for the first time in the season, Iwain was playing as the 10 and he was being successful. And I tweeted, if Lassiter 
gets an opportunity, he cannot miss. He cannot miss. And that's exactly what he does. And I mean, Iwain was very unselfish because he could have taken that shot mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. But obviously, it was the right pass because <laughs> Leicester was in front of goal with no goalkeeper. So he should have finished that. I mean, uh, he needed he it, needed it, to place it a little bit better, and and he, instead of placing it, he shoots it right at the middle, and the defender that that got on the goal line, two defenders got on the goal line, uh, he was able to clear. If if Lasseter picks up his head, or he's able to push that ball to the far corner or to the or closer to the far post, it's a goal. But because he just that, shot but, it right in the that middle, is why it was an easy headed. Clearance. Ariel is a winger and not a nine. He's not. No, but a Andrea, you still have to expect to but, finish that. You have to listen. Yeah, Lasseter came into the game. Lasseter came we into the game. We're talking about that, but you're talking about giving that responsibility to a player that hasn't had it in all of his career. That is not he. That has he has not had that responsibility. We're not asking Andrea. Just, we're not asking him. Not had that responsibility. You're confusing. Andrea, tú estás confundiendo. You're confusing saying Ariel Lasseter is not a primary goal-scoring threat on this team over the course of the season to one play. That play has to be finished. That play needs to end up in a goal. And if it doesn't, then there's things that need to be corrected. And look, and Ariel Lasseter came into this game as a substitute in the first half once Campana went down with the injury. And he got pulled in the second half. He was replaced because he was not doing a good enough job. There was another play in the second half, where Drake Callender is making either remarkable strides or Nick Marsman's advice is working. I don't know. This was the first time I've seen this from Drake Callender, but Drake Callender distributed the ball, punted it upfield, and found a streaking Ariel Lasseter. It was like he played a quality through ball in behind the defense, and Ariel Lasseter was streaking in on goal one-on-one, -on -one, and he over-dribbles. He pushes the ball too far ahead at one point, and the goalkeeper was able, the San Jose Earthquakes goalkeeper was able to grab the ball. So, wasted opportunity there as well. Again, this is not on one player, because Lasseter is not the only player that struggled in the final bit of the field in this one. Emerson had his struggles. You've mentioned the other players that have missed their chances. Gonzalo Higuain also missed one. So this, again, this was a team thing, but there are things that need to be improved, generally speaking, because some of these chances were golden opportunities, like point-blank opportunities, and they just weren't put away. But nonetheless, Inter-Miami was able to come out on top, thanks in large parts. We talked about Gimota's goal, but the defense. The defense bounces back in a big way. The, Thanks, because San, San Jose is a bad team. Well, they also switched to a back five, and they stayed organized they and compact. They had, the first half, they didn't have a shot on goal. I mean, Inter Miami did its part, though. They stayed compact. They stayed organized. They didn't give up a whole lot. They avoided making mistakes, although at the very end, you know, there was one play. I think a long ball is or a long cross is delivered from deep in Inter-Miami's defensive half by the Earthquakes, and Damian Lowe tries to play it or get a touch on it, and he redirects it out for a, for a corner kick with the ball bouncing just past the, the right post. And Drake Callender actually had a, an exchange of words with Damian Lowe there. You see it on the broadcast because, you know, he, he was saying, don't don't overexert yourself. It, it was It's kind of reminiscent of the own goal against Orlando City without being an own goal. Like, you know, Damian Lowe trying to make a play on the ball, and, and then it, it being a little more complicated than it needed to be. But the defense 
held up well. Andrea, your thoughts on the team switching to that back five and the defensive performance they put forth. I know you're going to say the Earthquakes are not a good team. I agree with that. They don't have uh, they don't have very much individual quality, and you could see that when they needed that little bit of quality to break down and organize and compact and uh, and discipline into Miami side, they just couldn't. They couldn't find a way to do it. They just had the ball and passed it around and looked for ways to do it. They sent in cross after cross, and it just never they never found the breakthrough. I think that against those teams like San Jose that are in this league, um, it was a wise decision of Phil to 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 have the defense plays like play like that. But as he said today, when I asked him about Montreal, Montreal is not like San Jose. You can do that against those teams like San Jose that are struggling. That are you? We wait, know wait, but don't, we, don't give me Montreal yet. Don't give me Montreal because we're, we're going to get there. We're going no, to get there. I am just. I'm just giving you an example that I don't want to get people to get their hopes up because they're going to they're if they play in with a back five against Montreal they're going to get destroyed talking in reality because Montreal has a different style of play. So this work the the thing is about the defense in this against San Jose is that they read the game correctly, they read the rival correctly and that was the way to 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 play against a team like San Jose. But it's not something that is going to be long-term. It's not something that it will help in every game in for Inter-Miami. So I think they read correctly that they could use it in that situation. But I don't think it's something that could work long-term. So you agree with me that Phil Neville got the game plan right in this one? That he, he read yes. the opponent correctly, said this is how we're going to negate them, as well as address... Inter Miami's deficiencies clearly they were coming off of a game in which they gave up four goals at home, so they needed to short things up there. And and there there was there was a, a better balance. We talked last podcast and about the imbalance. Said, there was yeah. a better balance this go around. Although, and as you said, he knew that San Jose uh, doesn't have a tr- a threat of what they can get to the side, but they don't have a threat through the middle right. or in the area like. Gonzalo Iwainis for Inter Miami or Leonardo Campana can be for Inter Miami. They don't have that. So he read it correctly, but I don't think it's something that you could see. That is why I brought up Montreal because even Phil knows and he said it that you cannot do that against a team like Montreal. So um, I think we're going to see something different. And I think that is good. Listen, because at the beginning of the season, Phil had his formation and he tried to play every game with that formation now we are seeing variations even in during a game he changes through a back three and to a back five etc etc so i think he's learning to read the other teams in this league you said they don't have a, a an attacking threat through the middle listen jeremy ebobisi the the earthquake striker who played in this game he has 12 goals on the year so he he, he was terrible. He was bad in this game. Right, right, right. He's reliant. He's not a threat against Damian Lowe. He's reliant on his service. Christopher McVeigh because he is smaller. He's re- than he's what, a striker. He's a striker has. that's reliant, like Campana, different type of player, but reliant on service, which is what the, that's why the Earthquakes yes. are strong on the wings and why playing and a back five him, helped he, them because they. MLBC didn't have any space to to make any runs. He was he was surrounded, exactly. and that and then there was not much service that was coming in cleanly from the outside because of. And the when you have back. tall def- central defenders like Damian Lowe and McVeigh, it makes it hard for a for a player like Ebovice, who is not as tall as they are, to get the balls in the area. So that was a good read. I really liked when I saw um, the form the. The, the starting 11, I really like that Damian Lowe played with Christopher McVeigh because that is what they bring when they play. Well, both of them br- play 
and when he brought Sailor in also, he added more hype to, for, so that even though uh, San Jose got a lot of crosses in, the crosses were not successful because you have three tall defenders that are going to get every ball. I'm going to, before we switch gears here, I'm going to add one thing about this game that, that just in general, it's something that's not even just about this game. Inter-Miami has this habit, for some reason, of before every game, right, when they announce their lineups, and maybe this hasn't been all season, maybe this has been just like recent recent memory, recent history, last few weeks, maybe the last couple of months, they put out a lineup graphic, as they always do, but the formation that's on there on social media is not the formation they actually play. Now, why does Inter-Miami do this? I don't know. I don't have inside information as to exactly the reason, but I can surmise or guess that they think it helps them gain the slightest competitive advantage in not showing the opponent what type of formation they're going to play. That they're throwing off the opponent by by putting on a different formation in their graphic as opposed to the actual one that they're going to play with. Because, I mean, what other reason could there possibly be? I mean, if you're trying to inform the general public about your starting lineup, what other reason, Jose, could you possibly... Why would you possibly go with a, fly, a formation or a look or a system that isn't the one that you're actually playing in in that game? No, that's it. You're absolutely right. That's 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 the goal. And and let me tell you, you think, do you think uh, that works? Do you think like the other team is like, oh wow, look, they're playing this, and and that throws them off so incredibly? Like I, I think I think it's a bit silly. I think it's a bit but, silly. Yeah, but you take your chance. I mean, if it happens, great. I mean, you have a a tiny advantage because Inter Miami I mean, needs to take the chance, all the chances that they have. <laughs> they need all the they advantages as possible. Yeah. Talking yeah, about telling the point, graphic point. artists to put the, the formation in this and like that and not like it really is. You know, Inter Miami needs to do everything that they can to fair get point, a win. Fair point. That's it. Es, eso, eso jugada de equipo chico. Esa es jugada de equipo chico. No, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. It's not unusual. You listen, I, I, I. As a broadcaster, I will tell you this. We get calls every week with coaches prior to the game. And uh, in those calls, some coaches will tell you the lineup, some others will not. And you get the lineup even before it goes out. Right. Let's just say it usually comes out an hour before. Mm -hmm. We probably get it an hour and a half before. And yes, the lineup always is, the, the, the tactical setup is not right. Most of the time. Most of the coaches, even for for broadcasters, which we are not allowed to publish all the information before it comes out on social media, it's the, the lineup. It's a mess. I've seen this, and I've seen <laughs> two two center backs, no no right back or left back. I've seen crazy things. So it happens. It happens. And or you know, maybe I, the graphic designer takes like, oh, Leroy Jenkins, this, and I'm gonna do it like I want. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's not uncommon. It, it's not uncommon. So, um, I mean, you, you take the shot, and if it works, then you know, good good for you. But I, I think we're all ready at this point. We're all like ready to see something. Not necessarily. We we, we can all agree that you know. We I can, can read the team sheet and see who the starters are. And I told Franco the last game. I told him they're not gonna play like that. No, of course. I mean, well, at this point, we know that the graphic that's in the in the tweet or on yeah. social for Inter Miami is not necessarily what we're actually going to see on the field. And, like, I'm very aware and keen when the game starts to see what the formation is, what the shape is, and then I, I try to Inter share Miami that. Inter Miami can with... be tricky though, because I mean, Robert Taylor 
how many positions have we seen Robert Taylor play in this year? So Ooh. if he's starting lineup, <laughs> it's it's a little bit tricky. I mean, and and you know the game against San Jose with Campana and and Iwain playing, you know, you would have expected Iwain to be a, a a number ten, and he wasn't at time. So, I mean, it's Inter Miami is very tricky. It's very yeah, tricky. Yeah, Inter Miami, I would say, is one of the trickiest team because I think Phil has learned that that he knows that he he has players that can play. He anyway, so the for like, just just for reference sake, the formation that was used in the graphic before the game was a four two three one, a clear four two three one on Inter Miami's Twitter handle and other social channels, and they had uh, Gibbs and Yedlin as the two fullbacks with McVeigh and Lowe in the middle. They had Mota and Gregory as the first line of the midfield. Then the second line of the midfield was Taylor as uh, on the right, Pozuelo on the left, Iguain as the ten. And Campana up top as the nine. There's Inter Miami did not play anything close to that with what they actually deployed on the field. But anyway, that's just uh, a, something that that I've been meaning to bring up because I, I get you want to get as you want to win as many of the competitive advantages as possible, and you want to get yeah. them in your favor. Uh, I think that one's just a, a, a bit silly. I get it, but I think it's a bit silly. It's funny at some point. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I you have a laugh when you when you when you see the tactical setup and you see the players and you're like, then no. just just put it, just list the players right, like other teams but do. But then, but they don't want that. They want to try to throw off the other team yeah. by put. But like at that point is like this is where it like gets, and I again I get it. But this is this is where like if you dive into it a little deeper, like do you think for example. The opposing coach an hour before the game is on his Twitter handle looking at to the at the lineup graphic. No, he's probably focused on the team warming up and going through the motions as they get ready for the game. So they have people. They have people. Of course, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They do. But again, I just I think it's it's a bit silly. But anyway, I I understand. We've talked about pregame. We have to talk postgame. And I debated whether we should talk about this or not. But. I'm a una persona frontal. I'm a straightforward and a forward person. So yes, let's let's talk about it. After the game, I had an exchange, a discussion, a debate. You could say an argument. With... No, I would say you were attacked. Let me correct you there. Okay. You were attacked. You didn't have a debate. You had a debate after, but you were attacked. Okay. <laughs> you responded. Andrea, Andrea <laughs> coming in hot. Okay. So look, after the game. Uh, sideline reporter, Inter-Miami sideline reporter, Kaylin Kyle, who I know, I've met her personally, we've had talks uh, on the phone, I've played pickup with her and other friends at different points. Um, so, we, I don't have anything personal against Kaylin Kyle. I don't know if she has anything personal with me. I wouldn't think so. But, after the game, she quote tweeted something that I said during the game. And it was strictly futbolistico. It was just a soccer point. You know, uh, Campana had a chance in this game to make it 2-0, and he didn't. And I had tweeted out about how his drop in form continues because it was a chance, you know, he should have put away, but he's been struggling as of late. After the game, after she she did her, her on-air um, job and her responsibility and, and her duties, she saw a tweet, I imagine, and quote tweeted it and said something along the lines of, Dip in form or injuries, which is fair. It's a soccer point where we're talking about soccer. I have no problem with that. Listen, Twitter tweets are meant for discussion and discourse, and, and there can be disagreement and there can be agreement, so no problem. So I wrote back to her 
he had one goal in six games prior to suffering these recent injuries, which is a clear drop in form, in my opinion, from where he was earlier in the year. I don't know if she didn't have any more argument for her case or what happened there, but after that, she, instead of sticking to the soccer and sticking to what we were talking about, she got personal. And she, and she tried to, yes, uh, criticize me for my way of covering Inter Miami. And she called me negative and critical of the team. I, actually, she also said in the, in the previous tweet, like funny that, um, or something along the lines of like, this coming from someone who's never played the game. Which, listen, I have played the game. I've not been a professional player, but I've played the game my whole life. Now, okay, yes, absolutely. I'm not going to say it, sit here and say playing pickup or playing in the league with friends is the same as playing uh, professionally at the high at a high 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 level. Absolutely not. That said, I don't I don't agree with that thought that you have to play at a high level to be able to analyze the game. Because and that's what I said to her. I was like, so are you saying only ex pros such as yourself can analyze or talk about the game? And she said no. She said that other people can, but they don't talk nonsense. The thing that I didn't like is that she made it personal. And I, I told you at the beginning that that wasn't a discussion. That was an attack on your, on you, on your, on your persona, as we say in Spanish, at tu persona. And I didn't like that because, um, listen, Twitter is free. Everyone can give their opinion. And you work, uh, you don't work for the team. Your responsibility is not to be kind for the team. Your responsibility is to say the truth of what is happening. And if the team doesn't like that, if the employees of the team don't like that, it's their problem. They don't need to be telling you what or what can you say. So when she attacked you personally at the beginning, I got mad and I told you that is not right. And then she kept attacking you and she kept it personal. Because when she says what the worst thing that a soccer that ex soccer player can do is go like because they work on TV and think that they are stars on TV and go and come and say that only them can speak about the sport that is the worst that they can do. So she attacked you personally and then she diminished everyone else that work on 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 football on soccer whatever you want to call it. By saying that only ex-players and only people who know about the game... Well, she didn't say that directly. She, al she alluded yeah, to that. She meant it. She alluded to that. this comment. No, no, all right. And, then, and then when I responded back to her saying, oh, is that what you're saying? And I used like the little emoji with the, with the chin scratching. Um, she was like, no, but other people don't talk nonsense. I just find you to be very negative and critical of Inter Miami. Which, that's fine. That's your opinion. But if yeah, you but don't, if you don't like the way I cover the team, correct, I agree. Yeah. If you don't like the way I cover the it team, it was a personal attack on you. And right, she, I could, I could sit here and say, I could sit here and say, I don't like this, this, or this about your commentary, or I do like this, this, and this, but I don't because I don't cover exactly. the broadcast. I don't cover like soccer journalists. I cover soccer teams. And look again, if you don't like the way I do things or how I say things, or then that's fine. I have no problem with that. But to, listen, to try to make it a personal thing, like when we yeah, were, when we were having a soccer, we were having a soccer debate. Yes. Then that's yes, I I will take issue with that. That was low, and I took issue with it because that was low on her part. And I did and I she, did write back. I did rebuttal. I have to say my part. I did say yeah. that. I did say back to her. I was like, unlike you, I am not paid by Inter Miami to put a positive spin on things. I did say yes. that. Now that was me in my eyes defending myself because clearly she's having a go. And look, it's not personal. 
if I see Kaylin Kyle on next weekend on Saturday at the stadium, I'll say hello. Um, she's invited to come here and talk Inner Miami, and we can talk soccer like we have before when she was on at Onside Radio, the Inter Miami. Uh, it wasn't a radio, but it was a website. It was a website web where they radio. were streaming. Yeah, it was like a web radio. Um, you know, she had a show, and I, she had me on as a guest multiple times. I have nothing, nothing personal with her. But if you if you're gonna come at me like that, then yes, I will. I will defend myself. Uh, and then and... the worst part was what she put it about Diego Alonso. <laughs> like, why the hell is she bringing something up and trying to diminish you as one as a person and two as a reporter? Because you don't have to do the things the way she does them. Correct. Not, no one has to do the things that we do and like anyone else. You can do whatever you want. Your style is your style. And that's the, the thing about media, the beautiful thing about media, because everyone has their style. So for her to first attack you personally and then uh, make those comments that she made that you were negative and all of that, I don't like that tropes because here in the United States, uh, usually American journalists, say that against Latinos because we analyze the game differently. And listen to me, I take, I take great, I, I, I get mad because I, you just analyze the game and they tell you here, oh, you're so negative, you're so this, you're so that. That is the reality But I'm okay with game. that. The, the listen, I'm okay with analyze. that. I'm okay so, with that. If I, if, if I come off negative on a team that's been, you know, up to this point below the playoff line for much of its existence, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I'm not going to, I don't get paid by the team, like I said. I am not, I am not a PR person. I don't need to put positive spin on things. Exactly. I'm a journalist. I'm there to be impartial. I'm there to be unbiased. I'm there to yes. provide you with the information that I see in front of me, with that information that I gather and for what I see with my eyes in front of me. I cover We're soccer. We're not here to be cheerleaders exactly. or, uh, and, for and, the team. And this, so and this that is, is why it bothered me. And then when you answered her and she came at you with the Diego Alonso stuff making fun of you, I got mad because that is not fair to you. And that is not fair. Listen, this time it happened to you, but it can happen to anyone. So it was unacceptable. And I hope that she reaches out to you and, and apologizes. It's, listen, she doesn't have to apologize. Made this doesn't, listen, like, no, it, I know. You, it, you this, don't the, the game. about it, but it's mad. It, 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 it was bad. It's not mad. It was bad. And that is why she deleted the tweets after. I don't... I don't need an apology i don't like she doesn't have to apologize it's you know i, I get it it's we're, we're talking professional sports you know sometimes i you know we make mistakes i've made mistakes you know tempers can flare it, it, you know a lot of things go into it so i don't need an apology if she if she wants to great i don't i'm not asking her for one like it's 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 fine but i will say this because recently a peruvian journalist one of the biggest tv peruvian journalists whether people like his style or don't like his style Recently, he was criticized publicly by a lot of people for something he said on TV, which was he was critical of a Peruvian player that posted something uh, on his on Instagram about you know being at the beach, and this was not long after Peru got eliminated from you know the World Cup playoff game. And he said, "Look, whether I'm right or wrong, whether you agree or disagree, I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to say what I feel." Because that's what a journalist's job is, in addition to get, gathering information and presenting news. I'm going to tell you what I think and what I feel. And that's a journalist's job. And he added, I am not here to make friends. I didn't get into journalism to make friends. Because journalism is not about making friends. Journalism is about providing you with real information 
presented to you. Listen, teams cover things up all the time. I think one of the reasons why I've been able to break news is because I am fully independent. And there's there's times that I get information out there that the team does not like or the team does not want out there. But that's what journalism is. That's what the job is. It's to present you guys with information as well. And since we're covering a sports team, also my analysis and my input on the team. Again, if you don't like it, you don't like the style, you don't like the approach, that's fine. Completely okay with that. You know, you don't have to follow, you don't have to listen, you don't have to read. But I'm going to be as true to you listeners or to people that read my work as I can be. I'm going to be myself and I am a person that says what he thinks in all aspects of life. Soccer is just one part of it. So let's just leave it there. I don't think there's much else to add. Jose has been very quiet. I don't know if he fell asleep. I don't know what's going on over there, but... I think he's uh, steering clear of this I'm one. I'm still here. I, I, I can say a couple of things about it. You know, the, the first one would be, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Campana is not playing at the same level that he was playing early on. And but that's, that's an opinion, be... right? That's an opinion, right? And, and that's fine. I don't mind the soccer. Yeah. I didn't mind the soccer part of it. It's like she didn't have anything else to add to the debate, it looked like. So she got personal. And that's yeah. that's where I that's you know that's where I took exception. But sorry, go ahead. Jose. So, yeah, that's the first one. I think you know most people will, will agree on that, and 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 that's not there, there's no shame in that if you're a campana, right? Because I mean you go through ups and downs, so that's completely normal. Uh, the second thing that I would say, and the maybe the thing that um, got me thinking, um, was you know the comment about you know being a former player and and having the opportunity to analyze the game. Um, I would say this about that. Um, there are people that also prepare to be a broadcaster, to go inside a booth. Um, and so if you criticize somebody that's um, commenting the game, and you say they don't have, you, you, you shouldn't be doing that, and that was the comment initially. You shouldn't be doing that because you didn't play the game. Then the same, we, we can we can go the other way around, right? You you shouldn't be inside a booth because you don't know how to handle being inside a booth. I mean, it's not an easy job. Yes, you might be able to do it because you know the game, but you don't know what happens before. You don't know what happens after. You don't know how to prepare. You have to learn a lot of stuff to go inside a broadcaster booth. It's not like I know the game. Okay, I'm in. It's not like that. So. That's the one thing that I would say I I never like those comments and I take offense to those comments when um, a former player comes at me. That, yeah, that but way. I, let's 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 um let's lay it all out there here because look I I am of the opinion and the belief that if you have playing experience at the highest level that that is something that you can use as a resource for uh, an analyst absolutely. job or absolutely right if you were if you were a coach you have that to to rely on as well so to inform yourself of certain things the things that happen on the field that maybe a journalist that is just a journalist that like myself that has not played at the highest levels might not have uh at his Frankful. disposal or her disposal it's something that you don't have because you don't have that experience so i listen and i've, I've told this to kevin kyle i've said this to kevin kyle on, on onside radio i've told you this i was like the fact that you have experience at playing at a high at the highest level that's awesome that's like a great resource for you as a media person, that's another tool for your arsenal. I don't have that tool. I can only be Franco Panizo journalist, and that's who I am. Now, that does I don't think that discredits me from 
being able to analyze the game. No, it doesn't. I, and that I don't, is why he's I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that. Like you know, you could look at you could look at the broadcast team that she's with. Ray Hudson is a former former coach. He's been he's been in, he's been involved with the game at the highest levels. Andres Cordero, who I think is great, and I've said that from one of the early podcasts when when they named the team. I think he's great. And guess what? He's never played at the highest level. So I don't think it takes away. That's just my opinion. Franco, what I'm, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. If you, as a, a former player, can go inside a broadcast booth and learn everything that you need to learn to, to do that job, which is not only knowing the game, you, that entitles a lot more, then somebody that never played the game professionally, professionally but that has been watching for a while that person also can learn how to comment the, that person can also learn the game you know yeah throughout, that... experience, throughout experience in talking to players coaches um executives you learn the game as well it's not about okay i played in everything that i know now i learned real, on the field reality, and yeah. on the team that i was you keep on learning yeah. As you interview people, you ask questions at times that might not be relevant to, to the story that you're working on, but they are relevant to the knowledge that you're building on as you move forward in your career. And you know so, some players that got the uh, experience and have won championships, the UEFA Champions League. And right, they go to try to be terrible. coaches and then they're, they're terrible. They try, or they try to they be analysts and they're terrible. And are terrible. I want to close out on the phone just to make it clear, just to make it clear, that that comment is unfortunate. And I know yeah. what she answered after that. She didn't mean it that way. But the the minute that you put that out there. Yeah. People then, take it that way. And then, you know, it's it's it, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. So, I mean, again, I think it's in the end, it, it's good to talk about Inter Miami. It's good to have this discussion. So I always go back years, years ago when we, we had nothing. We had nothing. Now we had a we have a broadcast team. We had an independent reporter. We have a lot of things that were not here before. So I think, listen, we all will move on from this. Um, <laughs> of course, of course, it's not it's not yeah. a, a huge. I just felt like it needed it yeah. needed to be talked about because uh, you know obviously we it was it was a little bit of a talking point among some of uh, the Twitter. You even have a, a parody account of yourself. I have a parody account now in the aftermath of all of this, which is uh, <laughs> which is well, hilarious. Have, but we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that. I have one more thing to say, and and you know it, it comes down to the negative negative yeah. aspect of things that he mentioned that you're negative, and maybe this is because. You know, we live in a country where every single team has a home broadcast and that home broadcast mm -hmm. is expected to be positive. Right. And MLS is a league where, you know, if you write good things about the league, then you're in good, good. shape. If you start criticizing, then you don't get trips, yeah. you don't get invitations. You don't... It's different. You know, that's the way it is. That's the way it is here. It's part of the marketing, right? The people that only write about the good things that happen to your team or to your league, they are considered to be good. And sometimes if you over-criticize or if you say something that uh, teams or the league don't like, then, you know, they have second thoughts about, about what you're doing. So that's the way it is. Maybe that's the style here. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely an element here at play. Franco, that is why I get mad because they have, they always say, oh, it's because you're from, you're Latino and you always criticize it like that. No, it's because you talk about football and you have to say the reality is not where you're from or your 
uh, or your costumes or how you grew up watching or if you're a player or not. It's the style to analyze the game and say what you watch without being uh, disrespectful. That is the only thing that you need to do. So when someone comes and says, oh, you guys are always negative, you guys, and, and, and I get offended because we have received those comments, especially from MLS. That's okay. But that's, but that's, listen, that's, so if that's how they feel, that's that how they feel. Not, that is not correct. But our, our, so listen, our they, job, they our job is not PR. We're not PR people. Yeah, we're, we're not, PR, not people. PR. If you exactly. want to hear, if you want to hear nothing but positives about Inter Miami, this is not the show for you. This is not the podcast for you. I'm not the the reporter you want to follow because I'm going to keep it real with you every single time. Every single time, I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I feel. I could be right. I could be wrong. You could agree. You could disagree. Whatever you want. And I know you guys are of a similar thought, so that's fine. If you don't, if you don't like it, or if you want to hear something that's more positive, or if you want to follow a report that's more positive, there are options for you out there. But we are going to stay true to who we are and how we do things here. So 100%, I am on board with you guys, and I thank you guys for having this this discussion with me because uh, obviously it's again it's been a talking point for uh, a small talking point for a couple days now so all right let's leave it there let's take a break we'll come back preview the game against cf montreal do our q a session and our final thoughts we'll do that after this Okay, guys, so moving to Saturday, Inter-Miami visits CF Montreal in an Eastern Conference match in Canada. Inter-Miami is up to 8th place in the Eastern Conference standings. CF Montreal is in 3rd. Montreal has a 12-win, 3 draws, 8-loss record. They have scored 38 goals but given up 37. So... Tough task for Inter-Miami this weekend. Jose, getting back to the football, getting back to the soccer. What do you think of this game? How does Inter-Miami, in your opinion, need to approach playing against one of the top teams in the conference? I'm going to be really honest here. Really, really honest. I think you take a chance in this game and... um set up the teammate in a way that you go for the counterattack. You don't risk it, Wayne, and um, you go with Emerson and Adi at the top. If they are able to finish a counterattack opportunity, which is a big if, then you have a chance at maybe a point. I think this is a very tough game. Montreal is coming off um, a, a big, big comeback against Columbus, which is a good result, by the way, for Inter-Miami. Um, late in the game, they were down a goal, scored two goals against Columbus midweek, at three points. They have the momentum coming home. I think Montreal, they are heavy favorites to win this game. So um, I don't think Inter-Miami, they need to risk it all here. You know, it's it would not be completely unexpected for them to lose the game. So try to play good defense. Maybe you get a scoreless draw. Maybe you get a late goal. 
maybe there's a red card. Maybe VAR helps you in some way. Just play good defense. Play solid defense and see where it takes you. I think that's the only way to go. There's no way to risk a lot in this game. This is after winning the game against San, San Jose, then you don't have a lot of pressure coming into this game. If they drop this game, it's not the end of the world. So, I mean, don't put your expectations really high on this game. If it's 0-0 by the 75th minute, you're winning already. That's the way I would, I would see it. So you think they should park the bus? You think they should defend? What, I mean, what? After how? The, so, so park the bus. Park the bus. From minute park one. The bus, from the play, first minute play the on. Counter-attack. From the first minute, play the counterattack game. Okay, that doesn't mean park the bus. Game. You can play counterattack without parking the bus. No, no but for Inter Miami, that doesn't work. They would get scored on easily. So, Andrea, what do you think? Would... How does Inter Miami approach this game? I agree with Jose, and I think Phil's, Phil, Phil knows it because of what he said in the media availability. Listen, Montreal won in the middle of the week, and they rested all their players. I think Kyoto and Piet and all of the other that, that, that were arrested came up like in the 80th minute, and they uh, finished winning that match in, in the last minute. So um, Montreal is very dangerous, especially at home. They have uh, a lot of speed in their attacking third. They have a good midfield, so it's going to be hard for Inter Miami, especially if you try to go and, and and look for the game. I agree with Jose that their best bet is to be a defensive-minded team and to take advantage of the counter-attack, because if not, if you leave spaces, if you have Yedlin or Gibbs or McVay, whoever plays uh, from the left, if you have them going up, they're going to be destroyed because that is... One of the strongest uh, things that Montreal has, especially with, I don't want to plug him because Franco will say, because I, 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 will, I am going to say, because he's Honduran, but he has 10 goals or 11 goals, I don't remember, is Romel Kyoto, who is very fast. So there you it is, there have, it is, there it is. He is very fast, though, can, and he is effective. Yeah, and so you cannot have uh, disconcentrations. Either he plays by the right, he plays by the left, he can play... You cannot have Yedlin caught up uh, uh, not defending. You cannot have uh, McVeigh caught up not defending. So I need uh, the team needs to be a defensive-minded team for, for to get at least a point against Montreal. I agree with Jose. If they tie this game, it's, it's a good result. If they don't lose, it's a good result. If they tie, it's a good result. If they win, it will be a big surprise, a big welcome, and um, a big three points for them because Montreal is hard, especially playing in in Canada. So five man backline or four man backline? I would play personally. I would I would like them to play with four and maybe add um, a man in in the midfield. But um, that is I what I would request, like. I would make a request for two goalkeepers. Maybe the league will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what do you think Phil Neville does? What does what does Phil Neville do? Does he stick with five at the back, or does he? Is it, it's interesting. You know, let's just compare it here today in the pregame press conferences. You know, I asked Phil Neville about what he saw from the team in the formation and in, in the five three two that they came out in against uh, against San Jose, and he talked about how he tried to focus on. The fact that it got more attacking players on the field with Campana and Higuain, Robert Taylor, Pozuelo. He focused on that aspect. 
when I when I asked Gregory a similar question, or asked Gregory about the actually asked Gregory about just defensively taking a step forward against San Jose from where they were against Cincinnati, he talked about how the formation helped them from a defensive posture, which I would agree with. Like obviously, yes, you had Pozuelo, you had Campana, you had Higuain out there, which absolutely phone level has has a point there. But to me, obviously, when you're playing with full with wing backs, excuse me. You're you're looking to shore things up defensively and clog things up at the back. You're not necessarily looking to to come out and and go all out into the attack. So, I think he's gonna. St- I think Phil Neville will stick with the back five. I think you know he he threw it up there up in the air today. Whether he would go into the back four or the back five, he likes to call it a back three sometimes to try to make it look less defensive minded. Uh, I, I I imagine, but. I think he sticks with the back five, especially after what he saw against San Jose and the way they clogged up the spaces. Like you guys mentioned, Montreal has some very dangerous weapons, more dangerous, more talented than than San Jose does. So you don't want to leave yourself too exposed because they can punish you. I will say yeah, this I though. Think, I will say well, this. I, w- I want to ask you. I want to ask you, Jose, this because we yeah. have we have often said that we think, in a lot of circumstances, of the best defense is a good offense or a good attack yeah not right now you, so in this yeah. game and that in this game that theory does not apply no no it's, <laughs> it's, no it's i mean there's, there's a big difference between both clubs I, and i think you know he goes back to the five five in the back but more like we what we saw last year and early this year i would say um gibbs will play on the left and three center backs which would probably be mavica McVeigh and um, Lowe, and on the right side, Yetlin. In the middle, obviously, Gregory and Mota. And then, you know, I think y- you take uh, Gonzalo out of the lineup and let um, Pozuelo play as a false nine. He can help a lot defensively as well. And just let um, Taylor and, and Lassiter run through the wings. I mentioned Emerson before, but I think Taylor would be a, b- a better option. And just let them run through the wings and see what they can do. I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, I don't, I don't see it in, in any other way. Maybe you know the, the team is able to to give us one of those uh, twenty twenty one performances in which you know they couldn't score, but they they, they 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 were not scored on as well. So I think that's the way to go. I think I that's the like, way to go. Andrea. I would like a, a back four. Like the same as Yellen with Damien Lowe, McVeigh, and Gibbs. And I would add a man in the midfield. I would maybe bring Victor Ulloa in to play. So, you, to, what, so, so what would be the formation there then? 4 3 3? You're going in? Or which, yes. Okay. I don't think Iwain will start. I don't think he will risk it because he knows that if Campana is in, he would know by tomorrow because I guess Campana is got here today. He's going to get a scan. He will know what the situation with Campana is, and I don't think he would like to, to risk Gonzalo since the start. My thought with Gonzalo. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Jose, hold on, Jose. Andrea, so you're saying 4-3-3, Ulloa, I mean... Mota I, I, and Gregory. Mota and Gregory, and then Posue, where does Pozuelo play? Pozuelo plays as, as a false nine, a false and nine Robert and Taylor then... and Ariel Lassiter. Okay, okay, so, all right, okay. So you're looking for speed down the wings, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, so all right. maybe get something, but you get that stability, not just at the back, but you, Victor Ulloa can come. But do you think Phil Neville will like do that? Do you think? Well, no. Well, so <laughs> right, because we can opine what we think, you yeah. know, what we would do. But yeah. now I'm going to ask you what you think Phil Neville does: five man backline or four man backline? Five in the backline. I agree. I think he goes five. 
what would I do? I'm of the belief of a good attack is a, you know is is the best course of defense. Sometimes I still stick with that here. I I, I agree with you as that Montreal is more dangerous, more lethal. Um, but I think you can't show them like you can't with any opponent. You can't show them too much respect, and that's just my my theory, my my personal opinion, and, and how I view the game. Like you can't give them too much respect because if you give them too much respect. You know no. they're they're going to grow in confidence and that and that. I don't. That I don't what? agree with what? that. What happens? What happens if? Then right, so- what happens is you're gonna get Houston Dynamo like they did with Philadelphia and got scored six zero. No, no. So no. you well, cannot do that. What? Listen, listen. Montreal <laughs> score has scored a lot of goals. They've scored thirty eight. They've also given up thirty seven. So they are susceptible to having to have breakdowns at the back. You can you can inflict damage on them, and Inter Miami now has more attacking weapons than ever before, including that number ten that we've talked about for much of the year about how the team lacked it. Now they have that. Now they have a Pozuelo that can pull the strings, that can that can score himself. I listen. I personally, personally, me would go four, but I think Phil Neville will go with five. We'll see how the approach is. We'll see the lineup graphic that comes before it, and uh, you know, obviously, the result will tell us. Uh, and the performance will tell us whether Inter Miami got it right. Jose, sorry, you. I know you wanted to add something in there before we switch gears. Yeah, no, I just wanted to talk about Iwain. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for, for, for Phil to risk uh, Pipita just because you know it, it's, it's not going to be a good game for him. I mean, you, you don't expect Inter Miami to dominate possession, exactly. and you know Inter Miami is going to be far away from from Montreal's goal. And you know if Iwain is far away and it's not inside the box. Then he's not going to be, uh, yeah, he's not going to be a key factor in the game. Now, if things change and in the second half, you know, maybe Montreal is in trouble and, and you need a goal scorer, then then you bring him in if you're in that position. But I think nobody expects Inter Miami to they take the tempo of the game to create more chances than than Montreal. So you know, you have you need to be realistic about you know the, the matchup. You know, it's it's not an easy one for Inter Miami. So. They need to play good D. If they don't play good D, you know that they're in trouble. They're not gonna. Have- <laughs> There's some slang from Hosa. They gotta play some good D. Okay, I've I've never really heard you go uh, use some slang for, for uh, for your analysis. But okay, so you guys both think that Iguain does not start. I think he starts. I think he starts. I think he starts. And like I don't like. I don't I don't see the risk because it's not the same type of injury. He's not like it was you know it was a concussion scare. He took a hit to the to a blow to the, I guess the face or um, so it's not like he's dealing with like something in his leg that's hindering him. It was just he took a blow and he had to come out of that game. Maybe he, you know he, he was a little dizzy. I don't know I don't know what what the case was for why he had to come out exactly. Um, we can only surmise from from the images, but I think he starts. And and Phil Neville today said Iguain's fifty fifty. Last time he said that about uh, Campana and Lasseter before the Cincinnati game. They both dressed, and they both made appearances in that game. So me reading between the lines, well, I think Iguain plays, and I think Iguain starts. I, I don't know. Iguain, listen, Iguain, Iguain, you, like, if you get a free kick, we just saw recently against Cincinnati, Iguain is one of the players you probably want taking it or standing over it. So I think Phil Neville starts him. I think Phil Neville starts him. I'm not saying whether I would start him or not. I mean, I think you, I would start him. And I get that you know he might not help on the defensive side all that much but again i don't think you can be that defensive minded my opinion and i i, I do I think i do think phil noble starts him i do think phil noble starts him because for one of the reasons you guys have already laid out earlier when we were analyzing the san jose earthquakes game he is the most lethal finisher available right now without him on the field you have i mean Pozuelo's a goal threat 
your wingers, if 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 they're going to be able to take chances at a higher level than they have for much of the year, well then, you know, unless you have that, then you're taking away your real, your biggest scoring threat. So, yeah, but you're thinking about a game in which they have a lot of chances. They're not going to have a lot of chances. I mean, all you if you bring one. Gonzalo, all you need is one. All you if, need is one. If you, if you need Gonzalo Wayne. If you want, if you want to have Gonzalo Wayne in the starting lineup, you have to realize it's going to be a tough game. You have That's to fine. be. A, you're That's fine. Very patient with him. That's fine. Pozuelo, Pozuelo and Iguain have shown a good understanding so far together, and and Iguain, I think they they could do something. They could do something. I'm not saying they will, but they could do something. And I think I think Phil Neville will take that into account while still prioritizing and stressing the defense. We'll see how it goes. Quickly, you guys, what do you think happens? Win, loss, or draw for Inter Miami? Jose, uh, quickly. Not good news. Not good news. So, loss? Zero, yeah, zero points coming out of Montreal. Okay. Andrea. I can't change my view. I told you in the podcast before this, uh, this, these three games, I don't think they get points out of Montreal. Okay, so I, well, you know, I'm with you in that sense that I can't change, I won't change my, my stance. Before this three-game stretch, I said Inter Miami, I thought they would get four points. I said I thought they would tie Cincinnati, which they did. I said they would beat San Jose, which they did. I don't think that they win tomorrow. Hey, if they get a draw from this one, though, that's a draw or any... Yeah, that's... I mean, Phil Neville... A draw is a win. Phil Neville firma el empate hoy sí o no. Would Phil Neville... It's like, if you could offer him a draw right now, you get that one point. Yes or no? Phil Neville would sign on the dotted line. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. 100 percent. Yeah. So you know, a draw or anything, you know, a draw plus up one point or three, you know, it's it's a it's a very big very big uh, result for Inter Miami. So uh, let's leave it there with regards to this game. Now switching gears to the Q and A session very very quickly, we will answer a couple of these. First one comes from Tank721. Do you all believe there's trouble in paradise? Lowe almost made a costly own goal again by not listening to calendar. Then Drake got upset. They had a few harsh words and Lowe got shoved. I say it's time to put a true leader in goal and that's the flying Dutchman Marsman. So I don't think there's trouble in paradise. I think I saw Instagram post today where they were out in Montreal walking around the city in a group and, and Damian Lowe and Drake Calendar were among the group of, of players that on this post that were out together in like street gear. They weren't even wearing Inter Miami gear. They were in like regular clothes. So I don't think there's trouble in paradise. I do think that there was in the moment, you know, an, an exchange, uh, a heated exchange or exchange of words. You can even say, you can even see Christopher McVeigh like trying to get low to focus again. Cause he's like, Hey, focus, focus. We have a corner kick to defend. So, you know, it, that happens. Tempers flare, you know, it happens in all teams in any course of a season. I do know. think Marshman needs to play. Okay. It is time to bring him in. Yeah, Calendar is a good, good, good goalkeeper, but he doesn't have a lot of chemistry with the defenders. He doesn't. So, Marshman has better, better chemistry with the defenders. Maybe they can build that. Maybe this. I, I thought we were going to see Marshman against San Jose. So maybe this game against Montreal is the game that we see him again. I would say I would say it's it's good for Low and and Calendar to have those type of uh, discussions. Whether we see it on TV and some people might think otherwise, I I do like uh, when I see that intensity from players. So I think that's 
that's a positive, and I'm I'm sure things got sorted out. Over. Yeah, the, 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 it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it builds, it's quickly it changes the page. Chemistry. Yeah, yeah, it builds chemistry. Absolutely. All right, next question comes from Elder Bar, and this one is going to test all of us here because his question is, you know, it could be viewed as negative. <laughs> Who's a worst finisher, Lassiter or Emerson? Jose. Um, I would think I would say at this point, Emerson is the worst finisher between the two of of them. I think Lasseter obviously Lasseter missed missed a clear chance. You know, Emerson had a couple of chances, but at least there was a goal a goalie in front of him, goalkeeper. Um, the Lasseter miss was just horrible. But I think overall, Emerson is he needs to. He needs to learn a little bit more about finishing, but then again, you know, it's it's. A, I think they're in a different process, both of them. I think Lasseter is a little bit more developed, and Emerson right, he's is older. just he's a lot. He's, yeah, he's, he's significantly older. older, a few years older. Okay, so you yeah. say Emerson, Andrea? Oh, this one's gonna sting. I think. No, I cannot. I agree totally with Jose. Emerson, Ariel is a player who is older, who is more developed, and. Uh, has played a little bit more than Emerson has done. So I think uh, he has that advantage on him. And this is the first time that Emerson plays outside of his country. Ariel has done it before. So he has more experience. Okay. So it's three for three. I also say right now the worst finisher of the two is Emerson Rodriguez. Both are not clear, uh, you know, clinical finishers by any stretch of the imagination. But Lasseter is a bit more polished in that regard. He's a little bit more lethal from from my vantage point. But also noting, like you guys, that he is older. Andrea, I'm sure that that hurt deep down inside to have to say that after <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks of defending Emerson Rodriguez I'm on the, the podcast. <laughs> so that people see that we are not a negative podcast or a. a well, some podcast podcasts wouldn't even touch you. that. Some podcasts wouldn't even touch that question. But we're so, go- we yeah. yeah we're going to answer it because that's what our jobs and our roles. Are. And listen, exactly. if, if, if Inter-Miami was at the top of the table for much of the year, guaranteed you, or I would guarantee you that we would all be singing praises. Because it's not like we never say anything positive about Inter-Miami. We talk about their golazos, we talk about when they've had good games, Flamengo's made good substitutions, we talked about the game plan that we thought worked very well against San Jose. I think we are fair. I, I would just say this, it's a lot more fun to talk about a winning team. And, um, you know, if, if and you're absolutely right, if Inter-Miami was fighting for first place right now, it would not only be a, a positive putt, but we would have a lot more fun. We have fun right now, a lot of fun talking. But, you know, when you have negative things to say, nobody wants to say those things. But that's the reality. So um, we're glad to put it out there. But let me tell you, it's a lot more fun when you, talk, when you have to talk constantly about a winning team because there are so many things within the game that are done well that at least we are soccer nerds and and we like to analyze every single aspect and we like to see you know beautiful build-ups and talk about it and talk about good performances individually that's a lot more fun so it's it's not that we don't want to do it it's just that we can't do it right now if the team is not performing on the field that's the reality of things last Question for the Q&A session, although it's not a question, it's a comment, and it's from Talk Inter Miami CF, which says, or who says, please tell me you saw your own troll account laughing emoji <laughs> with teardrops. And yes, I have seen it. I have seen it. Again, it's in the aftermath of 
the exchange with Kaylin Kyle. There's been a Twitter handle made, a parody account of myself with a, a actual profile they picture did, of my they, face they, with, they with take, photoshopped. Yes. Yeah, it's photoshopped well, they, with, they, a, they with take a mask. Your yearbook photo or what? The no, no, that was my that was my photo when I was uh that was my headshot at the Sun Sentinel. Obviously, they oh. added the the glasses with the mustache over my face, and I think they. They made my hair different because it looks like I have a, a mohawk of, of sorts or something. I don't know. But yes, I have seen it. So all I will say to that is, Mama, I've made it. I've made it. Okay. We will leave it there for the Q&A session. We'll give our final thoughts, and starting with Andrea. Well, my final thought for today is I was just talking with someone in the morning that reminded me that I wanted to say this a long time ago. Um, in, Inter Miami needs to maybe uh, relive some of the history of the sport in South Florida. Someone was talking like they got it beat to come for some games uh, in the last couple of years. They should get the best player that Miami Fusion had, and it was Alex Pineda Chacon, who was the MVP in one of those seasons that the team played. So Inter Miami maybe should uh, recognize uh, the history of, of the sport in, in, in this part of the country and and maybe invite Alex Pineda Chacon, who was uh, a good player for Miami Fish. Jose. Uh, my final thought, it's going to be negative. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> You're going to get a, a parody account of yourself now. I, I, I'm begging for one right now. <laughs> um, listen, uh, another South Florida team got sanctioned for um, wrongdoing. The Miami. The, the Miami Dolphins and Stephen Ross again. So, South Florida teams, please, get it together. Get it together. Follow the rules. Stop being tramposos. <laughs> Something's in the water get here in it, South Florida. Get it together. That's my final point. Okay, my final thought would be something we didn't touch on on this podcast that is Inter-Miami related, and that is that, as I reported for Miami Total Football's Substack on Thursday... Clement Diop has been traded to the New England Revolution in exchange for, I believe, $175,000 in general allocation money. I have to uh, fact check that to make sure that that is accurate because I'm going off the top of my head. No, it's $125,000 in allocation money in 2023. So that's what they get for Clement Diop, who was off to the New England Revolution. He was the starter at the beginning of the year with Nick Marsman out. He played three games. I thought he did okay overall, but he's off to uh, a different team where he maybe can get more playing time because clearly Drake Callender is the number one right now. Nick Marsman is 1B, if you would like. So Clement Diop, who has started in MLS, he was starting last year before he left Montreal uh, halfway through the season. You know, he, he could he could maybe fight for a better position or, or more minutes somewhere else. So he's off to New England just as he was about to face off against his or at least see some of his former teammates in Montreal. But yeah, that's just news that happened this week. So, all right, that does it for this second edition of the pod. We will be back again early next week to recap, analyze, and review Inter-Miami's match against CF Montreal and preview the next game against New York City FC. So, for Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and for Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to 